Welcome to Affiliated, everybody, uh, with ClickBank here. I am Thomas McMahon, joined by co-host Kyle Kostechka. Say hi, Kyle. Okay. How's it going? And I hope that uh, you guys just saw why I'm not a professional beatboxer or a musician of any kind, but happy to be here, Thomas. Super excited for our guest as well. Yeah, we are joined by Vlad from RedTruck.io, one of the great partners that we've got here at ClickBank, solving all kinds of problems for our affiliates and sellers. So we were excited to have them on to talk all kinds of traffic trends coming up, why RedTruck has grown so much over the years here, and really kind of some really interesting stuff on cookies and first-party, third-party data. We're going to get nerdy, but if you're running any kind of traffic, whether you're a seller running their own traffic, if you're a, especially if you're a media-buying affiliate, you'll want to listen closely to what Vlad's got to say, because he sees a lot and has got some really good insight to the space. So thanks for joining us, Vlad. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to the studio. It will be exciting to answer all your questions because here in RedTrack, we uh, share insights all the time, but typically they're more like one-on-one uh, fashion with the customers. Now we can talk to a broader audience and maybe make uh, life of everybody a tiny bit easier understanding how it works, what's going on, I'll be happy to. So let's jump into it. I just wanted to say first, just as you said at the top, I know data for a lot of people sometimes could feel like, right? Like, oh, this is going to be boring. We're going to be talking about numbers and math and all the horrors of elementary school and high school come flushing back or rushing back to you. Um, But I would just want to start this whole thing off like tracking and data could not be more important to anyone's business out there. Um, and the great thing is we're not going to be talking about like super complex data or like you have to calculate yourself with something like RedTrack. You mentioned your problem solvers, solving solutions. Um, one of those is being able to make the data easy so you can make impactful, powerful decisions, which is super duper exciting. Um, and so, yeah, just just want to frame that up, maybe because I am a data nerd, but, I you know, we need to defend the data um, that it's important and good to have and shouldn't be a nerd conversation, but an essential one. The whole point of data is actually, it's, you may uh, love it or hate it, but uh, the most important part that you use it to power decisions, and that's it. And to, I mean, when you use it, you don't, it's better when you know where it comes from and why it's such a way, but even if you don't completely know why it's there, as long as you understand the numbers and interpret it to making media buying decisions, that's sufficient. That leads me to my kind of first question I had for you, Vlad, which was kind of why did RedTrack come about in the first place? Like you're, you're the co-founder of it, you're the operating CEO, like what made you want to launch this company? Well, that's a story that goes way back into probably 2005. At that time, I was running a, a media buying for Boston-based startup. And uh, how now people say we're killing it through paid ads. And nobody could understand how we were doing because, I mean, 2005 uh, paid ads to generate leads and sales for sales company. But it was like mystery magic. Nobody believed we could do it. So, however, what we had besides Excel, we also tried to build our own analytical tool to make better decisions. I mean, we're a technology company, so we had developers. We built it. We launched it. Uh, and actually, I was the product manager for that tool also. And, uh, well... Uh, it wasn't long until it just crumbled under the lot of data. But still, with uh, digital marketing being my uh, passion, besides being my profession, I still enjoy it since uh, I first time logged into the internet, probably 1997. Uh, it was uh, part of my mix of dream, plan, aspiration to build a tool 
that would help media buyers make those decisions I wanted to make myself not in Excel, but with the tool. So the time was right when technology expanded and developed to a level that the tools like RedTrack became possible. Then uh, I got a chance to put my plans to fruition. And here we are now talking about how those tools actually work. I love it. So you're a media buyer before you were a CEO. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you really get the pain points that media buying happens. Yeah. I love that. So what, gosh, so you've probably, so you've been in the space for quite a while then, since 2005, kind of as a media buyer, then launching Red Track and growing with it. We don't have to go back that far, but I was curious. I've seen quite a few things change in just the brief amount of time I've been in the space compared to you. But over the last, let's say like, let's say like three years, obviously COVID's changed a lot. But what kind of big trends are you seeing in the space right now and how are people adapting? Well, uh, I would say the biggest change that was uh, coming, but not evident, it was just emphasized and made really evident by RS 14.5, is that all the channels cannot be relied uh, for decision making. Like everybody used to do Facebook almost now to pilot. Like you pick up the framework, you follow the framework, if you don't make mistakes, you actually get positive results. Uh, it was made possible uh, because like how Facebook and all the other bigger channels had access to third-party data. So now come us putting 4.5, cutting access to data for Facebook. And now Facebook works like uh, more regular ad network is still good. It still delivers, still has amazing audience, amazing targeting capabilities, amazing machine learning. But now everybody is basically back to learning the marketing like it was 10 years ago, like testing creatives, uh, checking stats, picking the winners, etc. So it's uh, putting power, decision-making power back to the media buyers and arming them with data to make those decisions. It became a bit more difficult, of course, uh, it's not any longer autopilot, but it also opened the opportunity for those media buyers to try all the other channels. Even like, let's say maybe not a year ago, but uh, I've seen, Have you seen a lot people... of your affiliates and sellers move traffic sources. Yeah. I mean, despite uh, the rise of TikTok, and of course, this is a huge rising star, some other sure. channels, uh, they've been there for many years, but they never got as much attention as they have now. And I'm talking about likes of Pinterest or Snapchat. Uh, like, nobody was talking Pinterest, Snapchat. But now oh, we got integration requests. And moreover, there are channels that I would never thought to be uh, the channels for affiliates. Like uh, we have LinkedIn, we have uh, a Spotify request for integration recently. So, I mean, uh, the affiliates were always the creative crowd. Now they are incentivized to explore and find new angles because Facebook stopped being and to all means. We have, so, you know, Spotify, definitely a really interesting one. We know TikTok has been huge. Have you seen an increase, particularly in maybe one of the traffic channels you mentioned between Snap, TikTok, and Spotify um, that's been larger than the others? I would say uh, TikTok is uh, the largest uh, in those that is I've that generated over the last year. I feel it's the of TikTok. I mean, they always, uh, of course, did native, but uh, uh, they, uh, like, Last year, people were mostly talking about TikTok. This year, they're actually doing TikTok and buying TikTok at scale. That's what we see. 
And uh, TikTok is very friendly towards the affiliates because, first of all, it's quite easy to get the uh, privileged account types. And TikTok still has redirects. And we all know that redirects give you a way more uh, power towards optimizing your traffic compared to direct linking or not direct tracking like uh, Google or Facebook does. Nice. Okay. So can you expand on that a little bit too, or say, you know, everyone knows that redirects do that, but, but when you say redirects, just expand on that a little bit, maybe what that opens up from a strategy as an affiliate. What it opens up, first of all, when you do Facebook, uh, in each ad, you are set to one landing page. So any tests you do, you are forced to change landing pages inside Facebook for different ads. So you can, if you want to run one ad to landing pages, I mean one create landing pages, it gets quite complex because Facebook quite often chooses instead of you, which ad to run where to send traffic. Now, when you have redirects, you can actually one redirect link and with the proper uh, traffic distribution system or tracker in place, uh, the affiliate is in control where that particular click from that particular creative will go. So we have two options, A, live, uh, A, B, or A, B, C, D, whatever, E, split tests, where you can rotate pages in and out, actually, uh, and combined with quite complex, for example, out optimization. If clicks are coming from here, just show them this landing page and this offer. Clicks uh, came from another creative, show them this landing page and that offer. It's also possible, or even let trackers, quite all the advanced ones that have out optimization, just do it for them. And it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure how long it will last, but that's how things were like three years ago. And it's quite a, a, a huge step uh, I'm ahead or back from uh, this quite rigid setup where you have one ad, one landing page, and probably just one offer or a couple of similar offers in rotation behind that landing page. So, and uh, of course, uh, smart affiliates use more tools. They always find uh, workaround like using other tools to change the content of the landing page on the fly to mitigate that, send traffic onto this page issue. But when you have redirects, it makes things way easier. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't... And so we're, so I'd love to know a bit more too how red track fits in that picture. Like, so if I'm using your software on top of these ad platforms, how is that helping me see the traffic coming through and what does that do for me and able to scale? Okay. First of all, uh, if you run, uh, before, let's say last year, if we'd probably run just Facebook, you don't need a tracker. You put a pixel, you get to all the data in Facebook ads manager, just change your ads, optimize, do the stuff. Should you run more than one channel, and that's what you do when you want to scale up, then you need a tracker, or you need an Excel, or you need an Excel and a virtual assistant who would do the copy-paste job for you. Because when you run multiple channels, you need to know what's working where. Uh, so now, and Facebook is not accurate, you need a third party to sort of measure or validate your actual performance uh, to see the results of what ads are working, what ads are not working. Now multiplied by multiple business managers, multiple ad accounts, because I think not a single sane affiliate just running from one ad account from one business manager because they are still being banned like left and right. 
then throw in a couple of other channels tests and if you stick all the data to Excel, it becomes unmanageable and takes a lot of time. It's a goal of the trackers to actually uh, track, collect all the data for you, accumulate cost data from your traffic channels, accumulate conversion data from ClickBank, we are uh, all the way of type of integration that we have from uh, initiate checkouts to purchase to refunds, who does that, and show consistent picture of campaign performance across all channels. And now that's just the goal number one. Goal number two, because uh, you can no longer put a pixel inside a ClickBank to send all the conversions back to Facebook, RedTrack or any other tracker sends those conversions back to Facebook and then back to TikTok and then back to whatever other channel you're using, as long as there is a possibility for API integration. So not only you have, uh, or not, the affiliate has accurate data, has the data real time. It also feeds uh, the conversion data back to the machine learning systems of the traffic channel, helping them optimize campaigns and find more customers. And last but not the least, which is number three, very obvious stuff, uh, there are media buyers of different scale. Like somebody spends a hundred per day, somebody a thousand, somebody tens thousands per day. And people want to sleep. So when you go to sleep, you either wake up every 30 minutes to check on your campaigns, make sure you're not losing money, and it turns your life into a nightmare, or you employ some sort of rules that can shut down campaigns as soon as they're not working according to your benchmarks. Maybe shut down campaigns, send you an alert, and this will at least prevent you from losing money. I don't believe in magic buttons. I believe in human intelligence and uh, that everybody uh, knows their strategy, what works for them. But machines should facilitate those things. And if you know, if like your KPI is below X, just shut down the campaign, shut down the ad, send me a notification, I'll wake up, I'll figure out what to do next. And this will prevent uh, the users from losing the money. And I've seen the setups of some of our uh, users. I mean, it's like a day trader job. It's like six screens. Just one of them is RedTrack. And the other screens are all other channels, communication, etc. What they do so they don't lose time even switching tabs. They switch the eyesight on the screens. So all this and real-time updates, real-time data is extremely important when you start to run a media buying at scale. That makes a ton of sense. And I know that for our affiliate management team here, the fact that you can integrate to TikTok and fire ClickBank conversion back to TikTok, right? Or any new big traffic source that comes out because you guys are faster to implement sometimes those uh, integrations to the new traffic sources and ClickBank can be. So that right there has been a big lever for people. They're like, I need ClickBank to integrate to TikTok. It's like, well, we don't have that out yet, but RedTrack does, right? So go use that kind of direct integration and then you can kind of track everything you're doing across the platform. So it makes a ton of sense yeah, there. And that works for us because we try to stay agile. We cannot be as agile as we want to because I mean, uh, when we start to uh, want to make things fast, we need to grow in size. When you grow in size, you lose agility. So it's a very <laughs> uh, delicate balance that we need to focus on. But uh, you're right that making sure that we uh, consistently improve and expand the list of integrations we have is our constant priority. Right now, we just uh, changed the way we update costs across probably a dozen of integrations. 
making sure we uh, consider not only the campaign but or placement or ad but also the geo of the traffic because different geos might have very different costs that for somebody who runs as just not only US but worldwide. We also added to Yahoo Gemini integration recently now working on uh, expanding Google uh, enhanced conversion then making uh, improvements for Snapchat integration and then we'll see what we'll do next. So it's like uh, you cannot tell being a tracker that well we done it that's it there are no more integrations to make. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> for uh, a foreseeable future, uh, especially uh, current really changing environment, because same Facebook API, nobody noticed, but it probably uh, changes every uh, other month, maybe every three months. And oh, wow. I'll be honest, it's way, way better than it used to be a year ago. And it does a better job. And uh, big kudos to Facebook, they are improving. And uh, in the long run, they will make the life of uh, media buyers, especially the affiliate media buyers who don't have access to first-party data, way easier because now they accept more data points to attribute conversions as primary data points, I mean, than they used to. Right? Before that, you don't have Facebook click ID, you're out of luck. Now you have Facebook click ID, you have Facebook browser ID, you, of course, you have first-party data, but between those two, and some additional data points, there is way more opportunities to push back conversion data to Facebook if it's not attributed to Facebook, like came from TikTok, to allow Facebook to actually extract some value, adjust its machine learning, and to deliver better results. So you mentioned this a couple of times. It's just, it sounds really interesting, and I just, I want to delve into it a little bit more with you. So with RedTrack, um, it really, there's lots of different ways that it really promotes omni-channel media buying, right? And, and I think um, just to, I think one of the reasons why it's so valuable is anyone that has been recently and starting in 2020 was buying media um, on Facebook and they built their business off that. And then they tried doing it again, you know, this year, <laughs> the latter half of last year, they've noticed that, man, this is really, really hard. So omni-channel is really, really valuable in sustaining your business, right? Because there's ebbs and flows in all these traffic networks as we've even talked about um, through those changes. Now, so... Um, with RedTrack, though, when you have that omni-channel, you're saying whether it's an affiliate, whether I'm an offer owner, um, the attribution from a buyer, or once we know that a, a buying event has occurred, it'll feed that data back not only to the source, say Facebook, if that's where I was running the ads when the buy occurred, but it'll also feed that data into other platforms that I have I have synced up. So I could take my Facebook media buyer or Facebook buyer information and then feed that over into um, TikTok and vice versa is is that kind of what Red Track's doing? I just want to make sure I understand that because that sounds really innovative and interesting. And then I have some more questions to follow up with that. You actually explained this correct. This is something we're working on as we talk. We have made first steps. It's never a complete solution because the number of integrations will grow. But uh, the whole goal of us when it comes to conversion attribution is to replicate what media buyers had in the times of Pixel. Because consider this, like even three years ago, everybody would put like uh, analytics pixel on the authentic page, Google Ads pixel on the authentic page, Facebook pixel on the authentic page, maybe some other pixels. And what it does, that each pixel sees all the conversion, all the conversions, irregarding whether like Facebook pixel. It doesn't care if it's a Facebook click or Google click or direct entry or partner click. It still sees that conversion 
learns from this conversion, feeds this data back to Facebook, and makes better decisions. Now, when the, the attribution switched more to like one-to-one, -one, if it's not a Facebook conversion, you can send it to Facebook. The whole idea of uh, attribution, on the one hand, is to provide accurate results. On the other hand, is to empower uh, the media buyers to uh, leverage the machine learning of all the algorithms within Facebook, within Google, within TikTok to maximum potential. And to maximum potential means feeding them the maximum amount of data and meaning when you have one conversion and five channels, you want to send that conversion to all the five channels because uh, each of those five channels will extract some value, will build some better audience targeting, etc., based on the data you send to that channel. And that's what we are working on right now. It's uh, in the tests. It's more about make, not making the functionality, because we have everything in place. It's more like creating an easy-to-use and clear interface. Because imagine you'll have to connect actually all the channels and understand what will happen when you have one conversion retract and push it to all your channels. Because then it means that uh, you never have, well, it never was the case of having accurate data when you do omnichannel. But now we will make it inaccurate on purpose, and it will be the uh, decision of the customers. Like, what do you want? A feedback data, or just feed the data that was attributed? As a marketer, knowing how the system works, I would say, hey, feed all the data you want. But we'll not enforce this, we'll make this an option. And of course, we also, uh, that should be live very soon, we're also just integrating Google Analytics uh, by default right now. I'm not sure what, why Google Analytics has uh, resurfaced being a popular tool, <laughs> especially for somebody already using a tracker. But we have many, many requests. Hey, guys, can you integrate with Google Analytics? Hey, why not? We could before, but it still required a bit of uh, jumping around some uh, hoops uh, to make it work. We just uh, integrating it like any other postback. Okay, you have this traffic. We'll send all your conversions back to Google Analytics. Now fast. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate you explaining it because I think that could be a really powerful tool, obviously, just from a speed standpoint, right? Like you could get to really actual good data so much faster when all your channels are feeding into that same pool of buyers and making each other smarter through the AI. That being said, the next thought that popped to my head from a contrarian standpoint is, um, well, are all buyers created equal across each platform? So if I'm feeding my Facebook buyers into my TikTok audience, um, are they vastly different buyers? So I'm actually not getting the TikTok buyers that I want and vice versa. Do I end up convoluting my data and kind of almost get an average buyer versus maybe say, and this is just theoretical, right? So if say my TikTok buyers had a younger demographic when I was pure TikTok and they happen to have a higher AOV, but now I put, I'm feeding in Facebook buyer data and, and that's maybe an older demographic with a lower AOV, do I stand the risk of actually hurting the learning from TikTok um, versus you know, making it all collectively better? So I don't know if there's a way to tag and like segment that traffic to look at it and then maybe decide if I wanna aggregate or, or maybe I say, hey, only TikTok traffic, I want you to go out to all my sources and feed that in because that's got better stats, for example. Um, so I really just want these types of buyers. 
um, and actually in, instead of what I was getting on my, my Facebook campaign. So that kind of makes sense. I know it's convoluted. You might not be able to answer it, uh, but it was just the thought that popped in my head. I mean, uh, first of all, now we are getting really nerdy. So just listen, next <laughs> yeah. time. Yes. Uh, but I knew I'd bring it to the super nerd if I could, Vlad. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it makes real sense, uh, at least in terms of uh, asking that question. You know, in terms of practical outcome, um, there is no one fits all size in media buying. So for some uh, campaigns or some for some products, it might be counterproductive because really you'll get one audience from TikTok and where were a different audience from Facebook. And when you'll try to mix those, uh, the, the machine learning will go haywire because, I mean, those are people who are buying, but those other people, they also buy and uh, the algorithm will try to find them both. So I think uh, the, you already nailed it. The benefits are happening with consistency. So if you feel like your audience is consistent across the channels, then it's definitely beneficial. You feel like uh, one channel is an outlier, you may want to keep it out of the mix, but now again with the tracker it's quite easily doable. You just send part of the traffic as an outlier, just track it standalone and mix everything else together. Nobody forces you to feed uh, TikTok to Facebook. You have always the way to reset up. And trackers give you that power because, okay, you have one uh, hoplink from ClickBank. But having one hoplink never prevents you from having two offers in red track with the same hoplink. One for TikTok traffic, one for Facebook traffic. Facebook traffic uh, feeds to everybody. TikTok traffic feeds just to TikTok. Boom. Yeah, that was that was a big improvement. I mean, when I was managing affiliates six years ago, you, affiliates used to make eight different affiliate accounts, either just for different campaigns on the same traffic source <laughs> or multiple traffic sources. So now they're just using, yeah, a third-party tracker like RedTrack, and they're able to segment over there versus having them need all these different ClickBank accounts if they log in and out of. They still had multiple channels, especially for Facebook, which burns mm -hmm. their business managers. But it's uh, at least easy <laughs> to manage, and the data remains in one place, which is a huge time saver. Yeah, well, I love that. I love that post back conversions to other platforms, though. I mean, I think Kyle makes a good point that it could muddy it, but. Gosh, like if I'm somewhat successful on Facebook already and I'm trying to branch into new traffic sources to be able to feed conversion data to them faster than just trying to wait on that traffic source to get traction, that's big for me. Like if I could just feed TikTok Facebook conversion events while I'm trying to get TikTok going, that would make me feel way more confident diving into a new traffic channel. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're totally right, Thomas. It's like, I just love that it's, it's the flexibility, but it's a great way to, if you know who your audience is, you already have a traffic channel, like I want more of them. Let's go inject that into a new traffic channel, right? But at the same time, you have the flexibility when that data comes back is saying, that's actually not who buys on this platform. Here's who is buying your product on this platform. Now you could adjust and change. So just that flexibility, which Otherwise, even placing a pixel might have been a lot harder, but but you guys make it just so easy with Red Track. That's where, as we go back to the, the top of it, you know, data sometimes gets a little, and already puts up your glasses. But when you could get it to where it's just simple of like, go to where the money is the most and either make more of that money or adjust if it doesn't work. And you're going to have all the data to easily and quickly make those decisions 
if you have something like RedTrack. If not, you're going to be shooting in the dark and possibly missing money or not making money. Um, but but regardless, that, that's really cool. I, I just get excited about that, especially when you think of you, you just integrated. You mentioned um, Spotify, a brand new traffic channel with all sorts of differences. Um, but we know that podcasts are a, a massive place for people to make buying decisions off of. So if I could go in and make Spotify smarter right off the get go, because I take all my Facebook and all my TikTok traffic and say, here's the buyers that I want. All of a sudden now you could have a, a much faster track of success, um, you know, going into those new traffic channels, which you guys are integrating with all the time. So that's exciting. That's the whole idea uh, to, uh, because in uh, my uh, longer vision, any tracker is uh, the leverage to uh, scale return and marketing spend. So it's not invent about the data, it's not invent about reports that can be done with Excel or with Google Analytics. Uh, the tracker is a leverage to uh, maximize the revenue of marketing investment. And to, to do this, it has to go beyond just data, it has to go into maximizing signals, automating uh, all the manual operations, and just make sure that the uh, media buyers are working on creating angles, ma ma making those amazing funnels. I've seen such amazing creative funnels, and I wish people would make more of those funnels instead of uh, just, uh, I mean, copy-paste the data into Excel. <laughs> I like copy-pasting data sometimes. I did a lot of that uh, many years ago. But I mean, uh, I wish people were more creative and doing more of those kind of amazing ads I'm seeing. And I like seeing ads, you know, maybe it's like professional defamation. It's really a battle of creatives, yeah. I mean, as yeah. Facebook gets harder to work with and more expensive and new trades, like it's all about creative, right? If you can't make good, compelling creatives, you're gonna have struggle everywhere, which I think is what we're seeing. Why people have to leave Facebook is that it's gotten harder for the, let's say, lower to mid-tier marketer to get traction. So they're having to go to other traffic sources, but there's, I was, I was curious, are you still seeing Facebook be the gorilla that it's always been? Is it still the biggest traffic source? It's uh, not as big as it used to be a, sure. a half ago, but it's still a gorilla. Definitely. I mean, there is uh, still traffic. There are still people who know how to use it. I, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe they are making not, uh, I don't know, 10x, maybe they're making 5x. And then who cares? <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, native and YouTube grow a lot. It feels like yep. you're solving a big problem for that first party or excuse me, third party data getting locked up a lot, right? Like everyone used to rely on the third party data that they could really tap into, get exact match targeting. Obviously, that's soupy, we'll call it, right? It's hard to get insight into third party data anymore. What are you seeing people do? Maybe with red track, maybe off with trying to get third party data into more first party data. Well, first of all, I'll be honest with people just ignore it. And they are forced to use first party data because, I mean, you use cookies, you're blocked out of probably uh, third party cookies, 20 to 30% of traffic, depending on what you're running. So that's why you want to have those first party cookies, you want to have that data in place and order. Um, However, I think uh, the biggest leverage, and that's where we jump on these things you mentioned, would be people who have access to the uh, real first-party data, and those are the holders of the office, the advertisers, the vendors, because they have 
the uh, emails, they have the phone numbers, and uh, that becomes a huge commodity when it comes to feeding it back to the channels and finding customers like that. Because when uh, Facebook has email or phone number coming with the conversion, it gives way higher match score, almost double, well, not almost, it's double, and it means that Facebook has high chances of not only attributing this conversion, that's okay, but finding uh, the same people because Facebook and then builds the targeting on the profiles. So they have a huge, huge, huge mapping between all the profiles of everybody of us inside Facebook, what we do, what we read. So when they can uh, pinpoint the profile by email or phone, and it's highly unlikely that you are using one phone for Facebook and the other phone for your uh, online shopping. Sure. I've seen people doing that, but that's highly unlikely. Same for emails. Yeah, they're, they're probably, they're working for the government or, you know, drug dealers. You, you don't need two phones for that kind of stuff. Like, that's so weird. Uh, probably no. Uh, they're just more uh, uh, conscious about how they uh, leave their uh, digital trace. I mean, I know how things work. Probably that's why I care less. I know that I prefer to have targeted ads because then at least I will enjoy ads. Maybe even click them. They have some random stuff appearing all over my feed. So, but anyway, since uh, that's the same phone or email that is the actual profile in Facebook or in TikTok or in Snapchat or in uh, Google, because we still use our phones to verify Google accounts, etc., it makes it easier for all those guys to match your buy persona towards the whole audience and now build uh, better targeting meaning uh, that uh, the media buyer who has that first-party data, like uh, he collected from his buyers, phones, emails, etc., is very, very important. It also means that uh, we will see uh, the rise, well, we're already seeing the rise of lead gen, which has less to do with uh, ClickBank, but more with affiliate marketing. And we'll see the rise of uh, strategies for your vendors where they will try to capture at least some information, like an email, not only to build email marketing lists and recycle it later on, but also to capture the data and feedback to Facebook to improve their own media buying. No, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that from a lead perspective. It's a way to just start getting getting more of that first-party data, training first-party data, and then using that for other campaigns. Because CPL or, you know, getting leads that way might be easier, um, especially from a content perspective, and knowing that a lot of the targeting or AUCs of cookies aren't there anymore, how do I get more precise data knowing that Facebook's not going to give it to me unless I have some sort of event or action that they're taking? So that's a really interesting strategy, and I've heard a lot of the CPL. Yeah. yeah, you build the audience from the leads because now at least those people who are subscribed or requested something, they yeah. are closer to your buyer persona than somebody who just clicked an ad or, mm -hmm. or spent some time on the page. So that's yeah. a slow strategy and you'll probably see more often of that coming up. Yeah, it's also because on the flip side, I've seen um, recently, I've seen a lot of CPL media buyers looking to venture into our world with um, CPA and RevShare offers 
um, because they're like, hey, I've gotten really good at leads. I'm building these audiences. So now they've become really, it's like the perfect time for them um, to move over and then vice versa, um, you know, people going to the, the lead market. So that's super interesting. Not trying to have heard as much of. Also, what you'll see happening is that uh, people who do lead gen, especially those who do this, start, well, they always saw it as a commodity. Uh, so you captured a lead once, you structured properly within your or whatever uh, lead capturing, uh, let's call it CRM. And then since you know what type of lead it was, you can keep pushing multiple offers towards that lead. Not only the original one, but you can, okay, these leads were for some like uh, diet program. I have amazing uh, ClickBank product. Why not just recycle the database and run the ClickBank product through the same leads? Six months down the road. I love that, I'll yeah. Capture the leads uh, in uh, summer and then run the uh, diet product in February when it's hay time. Yeah, we did a great podcast with Kurt Molly from Black Belt uh, Social Media. And it was, um, he talks about that. He uses that strategy for his own media buying, right? He'll get kind of get awareness campaigns going. And then anyone in that awareness campaign, he's then retargeting with his own offers if they've watched a certain bit of something, but also affiliate offers. And it's just another way for him to monetize what traffic he already paid to acquire. <laughs> and he doesn't have to assume that they have to purchase his thing. He just wants to get his ad spend back and his ROAS back for the top funnel piece. It's really enlightening. Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't burn all through those leads, like spam them every other day and make it smart, it can be a very long tail revenue that will just add up, adds up, adds up, adds up, and turns into a nice additional profit. You know, one thing that I would imagine be really critical for a strategy like that is to be able to have, going back to kind of the data side, be able to have the data that could show me how much I've spent on the lead. So I spent, say, you know, this amount to get them to opt in. Um, so I got my, my lead that way, but then I'm going to spend more on traffic to retarget that lead versus various things and so on and so forth. Is that something that red track would offer that I could kind of see, here's my average spend per lead or spend per user. And so now I could look at it and say, Hey, if I acquire a lead, I know on average, I'm going to spend about this much to get them to a conversion, um, a conversion event if I'm not selling that lead, if I'm using it for myself. So is that something that the red track helps uh, media buyers do? Well, we do it. I wouldn't call it trivial because that's basically like stitching the funnel. Because at first you have campaigns that capture the leads and you have uh, in those campaigns leads acquisition costs. And then you have campaigns that actually are monetizing the leads. Then you still have uh, cost of the traffic to get that lead to the offer and then some sort of revenue attached to that leads getting to the offer. But what we do and why it's called stitching the funnels, because you have two funnels, but the conversion in the second funnel, and again, we're getting a bit nerdy, sorry for that, conversion in the second affiliate funnel through all the uh, IDs can be fed back towards the original uh, source that was used to capture the slit. So you know that actually capturing those slits is not just costing you money, but in the end, the particular source gives you leads that in the end or in the longer run, like three, four, five, six months, depending on your analysis window, actually start to return your profit. And that profit is X. And the other channels, they might bring you oh, way cheaper leads, but 
in the end, those things don't convert much. They're just uh, what it is, like uh, interest. They're not, uh, they don't have any buying intention. And of course, this data is not appearing like this. It takes time to accumulate the data. But if you're doing this constantly, observe the patterns, you may start uh, uh, like excluding the channels, the generating leads without uh, or observed patterns. What gets you leads, what type of ads, what type of content, what type of uh, lead magnets or call to actions give you leads with buying power or leads without buying intention and focus of stuff that works. And that's you improve your lead quality and then it means you earn longer money in the end or bigger money in the end. Yeah, it's, it's a bottom line strategy, which I think just as we go, I know you said, hey, this might be getting too nerdy. But um, again, a good way to think about this is we can get really precise, which allows us to be efficient as media buyers. So Red Track makes you efficient as a media buyer, because as we just described, I could go in and really, really understand where my cash flow is going to be, where leads are actually converting, if I'm going to use a strategy like this, what it's adding to my bottom line and tracking what's taking away in terms of my costs. And obviously that, that takes time to stitch that funnel, but boy, that's going to really help prevent, uh, I think a lot of media buyers that, that focus oftentimes on your top line, because that's easy to see, but it's a great way to be less profitable. If you don't see what that all relates down to or correlates down to into your bottom line and the cash that you keep. So um, no, that's, that's awesome. I really appreciate answering that for me. That, that helps me understand more and, I think, again, going back to why data is so powerful, data builds bottom line numbers, right? It could grow top line numbers, but really, really, I think one of the most important things data allows you to do is be very efficient with your bottom line numbers. So all that money that you make, you keep and, and don't lose it right away. And it all comes down to the strategy because sometimes uh, you actually do just funnel the traffic towards amazingly converting landing page and keep getting the uh, commissions until that page broke, then you find the new angle and you rinse and repeat. Really, I think one thing we wanted to do, Vlad, is, is we talked a lot about how Red Track could um, you know, improve your bottom line numbers. It makes being able to diversify your traffic channels easier, whether it's just to know what your numbers are with you know, aggregated, consolidated, uniform data. I think that's a big thing that we you kind of mentioned throughout here, but I just wanted to hit that point again, because as someone that, you know, just give me a little background, I actually used to work with um, a large, uh, Fortune 500 companies and their investment portfolios, and one of the biggest challenges they had, so this is a challenge of everybody, was disparate data. Because one bank would send them data in a certain way, another bank would send it another way, and they spent all this time, as you mentioned, copying and pasting data, trying to normalize it just to make a decision. And so having services that do that for you, so you don't have to waste your time, like you said, waste your time in spreadsheets instead of maximizing your time in creatives and revenue generating activities, RedTrack's going to do that for you. And it's going to do it 100% better than you could ever do it yourself by consolidating, giving you access to new traffic sources quickly, making it more efficient um, to your bottom line, top line, and all lines. Um, you know, it, it makes a ton of sense. So so with that, when people want to get RedTrack, they're, they're listening to this, they don't have RedTrack now, and think, holy crap, my business is about to change if I have this tool in place. How can people go about trying it out, testing out, getting in contact with somebody um, to start putting Red Track in their life? I mean, uh, first of all, uh, it's very open. You just go in, sign up for a free trial, and use it. And if you need more than uh, those 14 days, you just message us. We'll give you more than 14 days. Uh, the best part is that when it comes to the or typical files, like 
Facebook or TikTok or Snapchat, ClickBank, it's uh, very easy to set up. If you know your ops, your basics, then you just come in, uh, connect channels, integrate ClickBanks, uh, add landing pages, start sending traffic. If not, uh, we try to be as of service reviews as possible. So we constantly on the demo calls, explanation calls we have onboarding. And we currently, we used to have those ask me anything sessions for people just to come in, ask questions. Probably we did it in the summer, so nobody was coming. Uh, we're back to doing more like a live stream. But uh, uh, there is my promise to everybody that if you have a question, we will try to answer it. I don't promise we'll do it immediately, but usually it means we have a knowledge base article. When it comes to ClickBank, we have amazing knowledge base articles. Uh, th first of all, thanks to ClickBank team, because probably your manuals about RedTrack and ClickBank are better than our manuals about ClickBank and RedTrack. <laughs> we'll include a link to a partner page of RedTracks here that we've got, which will uh, link out to our integration pieces, to your free trial, and all those kind of hubs. So make sure that's in the show notes your integration pieces are amazing it's well structured it's the language talks specifically to clickbank audience while we are trying to be a bit more generic so oh, that's why it's so good and you cover all those cases like for example um how you call that in your language like i uh, call this initiate checkout that's where um uh people uh start the purchase process which is actually not done for incentivization services done through pixel so it's like mixing of methods which we both support but your manual uh does this uh, or did it or uh, way better so just ask our team hey guys let's copy from here to here because it's very clear and consistent uh, so i uh of course when it comes to uh more uh advanced stuff like those teaching the finals etc then uh you may need to have our team and their assistance but honestly in my experience, uh, affiliate media buyers working with uh, ClickBank typically are the best prepared uh, crowd of all the media buyers because they uh, do it constantly. They come prepared. They share all those masterminds where they exchange experience. So basically, they know what they do and they get training for those who start with. I, I have not seen many people just say, okay, I want to become affiliate, so what I'll do, I'll sign up for ClickBank, I'll sign up for Facebook, and I'll start sending traffic. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work like this. So that's why I wouldn't expect much trouble or all the trackers follow the same logic. And then if you have any questions, just uh, ping our team and we'll provide the answer and support. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, just, you know, Sounds pretty easy, like for those of you that are media buyers. And now for all the listeners that are um, media buying affiliates on ClickBank, you could take that little that compliment, fill your head as big as you want with it, that you're the best affiliate affiliates out there if you're on ClickBank, at least that, that Vlad likes to work with. And we like to work with you too. But I mean, that that's a super easy process, Vlad. Like with so many great integrations, you made your tracker to where not only is there a, a risk-free 14-day trial, and if you need more time, they can reach out to you. Um, but so it's, it's a super quick setup. It's super easy to get started and it's it's really going to come risk-free um, unless the risk is that you'd like to not make more money and be more efficient. So um, that's the real risk that you're running into here. But, um, you know, I, I think it's really fantastic. And, and Tom, I'm sure if you have any other questions, but I want to say really appreciate letting me nerd out and go a little bit data deep with you on some of this stuff. And, 
And I, I can tell you, you know, I already thought Red Track was a great solution, but I feel even better about it now um, through our conversation. I hope a lot of our listeners feel the same way. Thank you very much for those kind of words. We uh, do try to listen to what audience have to say. And me, myself, I'm probably like on uh, five to ten calls with our uh, users per week. So uh, I'm on there uh, getting all that feedback and we implement it to the improving the product. I wish we could build stuff faster or change things faster, but there is a cycle and we're getting better those cycles. Was that you hear that Vlad is a man of the people, so you know you'll always be heard if you're using Red Track, which is super exciting. Thomas, do you have any other questions before we um, let Vlad go about the rest of his evening? No, thanks for your time, Vlad. Um, I trust we get to meet up here in person at some point in some road show, either internationally or I guess here in the States for me. But <laughs> no, I appreciate you taking the time this evening. And probably will be more times in the States now that people start to fly again. So I hope to see each other in person. Yeah. Yeah. We were trying those boat trips, but boy, it was, it was tough to go a boat to Europe. I know. <laughs> um, well, great, Vlad. We'll really appreciate that. Um, appreciate the listeners uh, again. Um, be sure. I think one thing too, if there's some questions you have for Vlad too, that, that weren't answered on this podcast, you're not trying to go hold them. And you can always leave those in the comments. We love to see your questions. We do look at them, um, you know, sometimes anguish over them and pull our hair out. Not really, but um, we, we do really appreciate that. So make sure you put the questions there or the other thing too, if there's other people you'd like us to interview and talk to other subjects we'd like you'd like us to cover be sure to put those in the comments shoot us an email um add thomas on facebook and send him a message only thomas <laughs> and we'd really like to hear that feedback um, other than that though have a great rest of your day and thomas what do you always say happy scaling everybody ah there it is all right have a great one thanks so much <laughs>